Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Well, great to be with you today. This morning we will be... um, receiving the Lord's Supper at the close of our service, and that is for those of you who have been received the gift of salvation and have been baptized, and uh, we're going to have a time of confession and repentance uh, prior to that at the close of our service, and uh, it's going to be a very special time uh, today. Well, I've been watching the Olympics of you, been cheering for all the Florida swimmers, right? Uh, Grateful for them. Uh, It's been interesting, and uh, when you think of all that they do to get to that place to be the very best in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. And when you look at someone like Simone Biles and you go, oh, gets to the top of her field, really the, the best gymnast probably ever can't compete. There's something going on with her mentally. She's not able to compete. There's, there's something that's stopping her and you go, you feel so bad for her. Everything looks great on the outside, but there's something wrong on the inside. There's something that's keeping her mentally from being able to safely uh, do what she does best. You know, that can be true for us spiritually, can it? Because listen, you all look great on the outside, uh, except for some of you guys. Actually, all you guys, you look great on the outside. Everyone shows up and everyone looks like you've bathed this week, praise God, and you look like you've Some of you have shaved, some of you need to, um, but you look great, and it's great to see you today. And sometimes I know people have told me before, you know, when I come into church, I feel like everyone else has it together but me. Let me tell you, most of us don't have it together. All of us have an internal flaw. It's called the sin problem that we have, right? And yes, we're being sanctified, and you ought to be less sinful than you were last year. But we all still have this, this, this issue that we need for God to deal with. So never come in and think that you're the only one who sinned this week. Because we could all have a, a show of hands, but let's just don't right now. Uh, but I think all of us have sinned this week. You know, as a church, so many times a church is known for a certain thing, right? They're known for... Um, great preaching, or they're known for great music, or they're known for great children's ministry, or great small groups, great student ministry, or maybe they're just known because people leave feeling better than they did when they came in. You know, I, I love it that we're seeking to be known as a church that makes Jesus known. I mean, that's what we're all about. If at the end of our time together, or in heaven, we look back and say, you know what, actually people, people knew us as a church that tried to make Jesus known. But the way that we have to do that, the only way that we can accurately present Jesus is we have to help people understand that the way you connect with Jesus is through repentance. And when I say that word, I just wonder what goes through our minds, right? It's like, oh my goodness, here comes another sermon about stuff I did wrong this week. I don't really want to feel guilty right now. My wife already made me feel guilty earlier. And uh, I, I just, you know, that's what you guys do. That's what you, your preachers, you wake up every morning thinking, okay, how can I make her feel guilty this week? And it, we do. It's really fun, actually. We watch you all during the week. We spy on you. We have little cameras. We know what you all do. No, we don't really. We, um, 
honestly, if there's one thing I could help people do, it would be to help them repent. Because that's what separates us from Jesus. That's what alienates the relationship. That's what pushes the Holy Spirit aside to the back porch till he's at the door knocking, trying to get in Revelation 3, going, man, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Would you just let me in? I Just give me some space. I can work in your life. And repentance is how we do that. This morning, the title of the message is Stiff Necks and Steadfast Love. Stiff Necks and Steadfast Love. See, when our neck is stiff before God, we're saying, God, we don't need to repent. Oh, your love is wonderful. It's fantastic. But you know what? I'm really pretty good. I've been watching TV. A lot of people are way worse than me. I've been seeing my neighbors, and they're all messed up, but I'm living a pretty good life. And by golly, you know, I don't need to repent. My neck is stiff. My neck needs to relax and be bowed. So this morning, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 9. As a church that wants to make Jesus known, that wants to connect people to Jesus through repentance. We're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 9, and we're going to see repentance in a little bit different light than it's sometimes presented. We're going to see repentance in the context of the greatness of God. In the context of his glory and his steadfast love. And when we consider ourselves in light of him, as we'll sing at the close of our service in Isaiah 6, as Isaiah says, oh, I'm undone because I, I'm in the presence of God. Repentance comes pretty easily at that point. So look with me, Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord says this. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. On the stairs of the Levites stood Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, and Chenani. And they cried with a, loud, with a loud voice to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Heshebaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted, exalted above all blessing and praise. Now, here's what's happening. I talked about last week, there had been this time where they, they finished the temple, they finished the wall, and they decided, they realized they needed to, to hear the word of the Lord, and they responded to the word of the Lord, and they, they said, amen, amen, which is truly, yes, we agree, that resonates with us. And they lifted their arms in worship, and they bowed their heads in repentance, And there was a lot of weeping as they realized who they were in light of the word of the Lord. And then Nehemiah said, you need to rejoice because God has forgiven you. And you need to, the the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.10. And then the elders came together and said, listen, we haven't been celebrating this feast, this celebration of the booths, which is a time of remembering all that God has done in the past. His faithfulness, 
and to remember and to celebrate the, the incredible harvest we're experiencing now. And so they did that. They had these seven days of celebration. And you'd think they'd just kind of go on with their lives at this point, but they don't. They come ready to repent again. Now you may have thought that there's just this one time of repentance in our lives and that there's just one time when we come before the Lord and we say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. Would you, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? A lot of times we think that just a, it's a one-time thing, but no. The people of the Lord came ready to repent and they didn't even know what they're going to be repenting of. They come with dirt on their heads. They come in sackcloth. They come fasting. They come prepared to hear the word of the Lord and to respond. They separate from foreigners, which basically means they separated separate those from those who are outsiders, those who are far from God, who weren't a part of the covenant people of God. They, they focus themselves. They don't want to be distracted or maybe doing something uh, in light of what other people might say or what other people might, people might see them. They're separating themselves before the Lord. They come ready to repent. They come ready for God to cleanse them. I love that picture. Repentance should be a normal part of our lives. It happens. It needs to happen on a regular basis. We need to live repentant lives. Because I think all of us sinned this week. All of us need to come before the Lord and say, God, I, I, I need to be cleansed. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But these guys on the steps, these Levites, they then recite, they, they read the history of Israel. And it's kind of like us. If you were to look back your whole life and you were to think about all the ways that God had been faithful and all the ways that you had been sinful, that's what's about to happen. So I'm going to read this extended passage. And as I do, look for all the times that God has been faithful. All the times that his love has been steadfast. All the times that he's been merciful. And look at all the times that his people have been stiff-necked. Have been rebellious. Watch for how many times God is faithful. How many times God's people are steadfast. God, how many times God's people are unfaithful. And look for maybe some sin that you may not have thought was sin. It's one of the great blessings of Scripture is it shows us what's wrong with stuff that we pretty much have kind of said, well, you know, that's really just for super Christians, right? That's just for the staff and deacons and people like that, but this is not really, no, this is for all people. So look with me, Nehemiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. I'm going to read this whole passage, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. The word of the Lord says this, You are the Lord. You alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made him the covenant to give to the offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, the Girgashite, and you have kept your promise. You are righteous. 
And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and their cry at the Red Sea. And you performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And you cast their, pers their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud you led them in the day and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and you spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. And you told them to go to possess the land that you had sworn to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and did not forsake them. Even when they had made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies and in your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. And you gave them kingdoms and peoples and allotted to them every corner so they took possession of the land of Sion, king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. You multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and you brought them into the land that you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So the descendants went in and possessed the land that you subdued before them, the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hand and their kings and the peoples of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they are filled with uh, filled and became fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their back and killed your prophets who had warned them in order to turn who had warned them in order to turn them back to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of their enemies who made them suffer. And in the time of their suffering, they cried out to you. And you heard them from heaven, and according to your great mercies, you gave them saviors who saved them from the hand of the enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before you, and you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies, so they had dominion over you. Yet when they had turned and cried to you, you heard from heaven, and many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And you warned them in order to turn them back to your law, yet they acted presumptuously and did not obey your commandments, but sinned against your rules which if a person does them, he shall live by them. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not obey. Many years you bore with them and warned them by your spirit through your prophets. 
yet they would not give ear. Therefore, you gave them into the hand of the people of the lands. Nevertheless, in their great mercies, you did not make an end to them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and merciful God. Now, therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love, let not all the hardship seem little to you that has come upon us, upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even in their own kingdom and amid and amid your great goodness that you gave them, and in the large and rich land that you set before them, you did not, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruit and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves, and its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Verse 38. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. As you hear the word of the Lord, that closing verse says, in light of all of this, we make a covenant to be your people. In light of all that has happened, we, we sign on to say, yes, we're in to be your people. We repent of our sins. We repent of how we always act. We want to be your people. A little bit, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. And when you do that, you're saying, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I want to be one of your people. I want to continue this journey with you, Lord. I, I'm signing on again. I'm recommitting myself. And you may say, well, I feel like I've got to repent all the time and I'm constantly recommitting myself. Yes, that's the journey, isn't it? I need to constantly be brought back and say, yes, I want to make that covenant with you. But as we read those verses, there's some things I want us to see about our great God. Because we don't just repent because the, there's a list of rules in the Bible. We repent because there's a great God in the Bible. right? We repent because of his incredible greatness. It's important that he starts out, he says, you know what, God, you are the creator. You made everything. You made the heavens, the earth. You made the angels. You made the humans. You made everything. Psalm 100, we are the sheep of your pasture. Your, of your pasture. We are yours, not ourselves. We belong to you. You're the creator God. He's also the initiator of a relationship. I love that, that, that God is not only this great God, this great creator, but he's also the one who came to us and said, listen, I want to redeem my people through you, Abraham. He calls out Abraham. Abraham doesn't come to him and say, God, you know, I really want to fix things between us, so let's work something out. No, God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to be my people. I want to bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and through your, you and your descendants, all the world will be blessed. See, if you know Jesus right now, it's because he initiated a relationship with you. Gave you the opportunity to respond. He's the creator. He's the initiator. He's the rescuer. 
we find ourselves in this place of sin, he sends Jesus to save us. And for the children of Israel, he sent Moses to rescue them from the land of Egypt. He brings them out miraculously. And he brings them to the Red Sea, where he rescues them again through the Red Sea from the army of Pharaoh. He leads them across the land with a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. Let's them know where they should go. Then he gives them the law. Tells them, this is how you're to live. This is how you're to relate to me. He provides for them in the wilderness, doesn't he? He gives them the manna. He gives them the quail. He provides water from a rock. He is the provider God. His love is steadfast, even though his people are stiff-necked. And then they come to the land. We've talked about this a little bit lately. They come to the place where they're supposed to come in and conquer the land. And what do they do? They say, you know, God, I know you rescued us from Egypt. I know you brought us through the Red Sea, but I'm pretty sure we can't handle these giants. I'm pretty sure, God, that you're not going to be able to take over this land. Why would you give us a land that's already occupied with these huge giants? Why would you do this? We want to go back to Egypt and be slaves some more. You know, we look at that story often and we say, well, you know, that's really sad that they did that and they shouldn't have done that. But I wonder, what kind of giants are you facing today? Where does God want to take you and your relationship with him? And where are you saying, I can't really go there because I'd have to change this about my life. I can't really take a position of leading others to know Jesus or discipling others or take a position, a rotational leadership position, or I, I can't even be consistent in worship because of this in my life. I want you to know that's a, just a giant that God wants to conquer for you. And when you turn around and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that, that's not just some kind of an optional thing with God, right? Sometimes I think we think, well, that's just, again, for super Christians. No, that's what God leads all of us to do. And when we say no to God, God, the gi- it's too hard, it's too difficult, I don't think I can do it. That's the sin of unbelief. That's saying, God, I, I don't really believe that you want to use me like you said you do. I think you've told something to me, God, that's not true. See, one of the sins that we don't even count as sins often is this sin of unbelief, saying, God, I I can't go any further with you. Oh, that's exactly where he wants to come alongside you and empower you to be what he wants you to be, to be the man that he wants you to be, to be the wife, that the woman that he wants you to be, the husband that that he wants you to be, to be the, the student that he wants you to be, to be the mentor that he wants you to be, to be the parent that he wants you to be. Yeah, there's always giants. Oh, don't fall into the sin of unbelief and find yourself wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years or stuck in slavery back in Egypt. So God has been faithful. He's been steadfast. He's taken care of his people, even though they've been stiff-necked, but his people have been disobedient and and filled with unbelief and have turned around. Also, he cites the, the golden calf incident. God is delivering for them this law up on Mount Sinai. It's an incredible time. And the people get impatient and they say, Moses, we don't know if he's coming back. Let's build our own God. Let's build a golden calf. Let's worship this golden calf as the one who rescued us, even though we know it didn't rescue us. It sounds ridiculous to us, but I just wonder how many times 
Have you gotten impatient with God? God, I'm waiting. I need to go ahead and start worshiping something else. I need to go in and ahead and put something in your place. God, I need to go ahead and worship gold, for example. I need to build my life around a, uh, accumulating more gold and more spending power. That's, that's really what I need to do because, God, I just don't know. You haven't come through yet. Oh, we need to repent of that. That's what separates us, separates us from the goodness of God. We need to repent of unbelief and of worshiping gold. And we need to repent of putting God's law behind our back. Just that this is what your people do. They put your law behind your back and they reject and kill your prophets. How many times have you heard people say, well, that's what the Bible says, but it's not what I'm going to do. Or maybe the Bible doesn't really say that. Or maybe we should just look at the Bible and say, God, what do you want from me? You're the standard. I just want to adjust my life to you. God's people have suffered forever because of the sin of ignoring God's law. God's ways. Even in the midst of the great things that he has provided, even in the midst of his steadfast love, even in the midst of his pursuit of us, even in the midst of him sending Jesus Christ, his son, to die for us, we tend to wander. We tend to reject him. We have the sin of unbelief. We worship other gods. But he is steadfast. The reason we're still here and have the opportunity to know him is because of his steadfast love. For us to even hear that is a testimony to who he is. That he still says, I love you. I want to be have a relationship with you. I want to use you to reach the world. That's what I'm all about. So this morning, as you consider the greatness of God, because God's love is steadfast, and because our necks tend to be stiff, we need to relax our necks and bow our heads. Would you do that with me right now? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.